Hello and welcome to episode 61 of Random Encounter, the RPG fan podcast. I'm your host, Robert Steinman, Pale Robbie on the boards. You're all going to have to excuse me a little bit. Uh, the allergies hit me like a ton of bricks last night, so I had to do the neti pot on my nose in order to do this podcast. So if I start sounding a little phlegmy, mm. I apologize. So And that's probably, that's probably more information than you guys needed to know. And yeah, if, I, yeah, I don't guys, need to know about your nose waterfall. Yeah. Closure. Yeah, if you don't know what a neti pot is consider yourself lucky so anywho uh joining me today we have the rhythm encounter crew once again so uh i'm gonna introduce derek first okay hi i'm derek i'm a guy um i'm one of the co-hosts of rhythm encounter and uh i'm embryon on the boards and then we have the other member of rhythm encounter hug uh-huh. i'm steven taylor's on the boards and uh yes i'm the other guy from rhythm encounter Excellent. Uh, so just to give you guys a little bit of an update, we do want to do a finale on the narrative discussion that we had on the last podcast. We want We kind of felt like we were maybe a little bit too negative and we didn't offer solutions to all of these narrative problems that we were seeing in video games and RPGs in general. So we do want to do a follow-up podcast. I don't want anybody to think that we're just leaving that to die. Uh, but the other guys weren't really available, so rather than just do it with a smaller crew, we kind of wanted to wait until we had a bigger crew, so y'all can look forward to another narrative discussion here in the coming weeks. Uh, but thankfully, a lot has actually happened in the past two weeks oh, since yeah. we recorded. We got some game releases, a couple demos, Dark Souls 2, uh, and then Nintendo Direct. So we Nintendo, have... Nintendo said, hey, here's the gauntlet, we just threw it at you. Yeah, and Nintendo then... basically said, hey Rob, you need a reason to buy a 3DS, right? And Like you, you didn't already have a hundred... True, true, true. But now they made the argument quite, quite strong. I'm very Nintendo. I love my Vita, and I, I have been, I have been spending plenty of time playing it. But what they need to do is get a release schedule like the 3DS. The 3DS is going to have like four or five awesome games every couple of months for like the next two years. Well, we're getting ahead of ourselves, so we're yeah. going to hold on to that. We're going to wait for the news. Uh, so we got three Souls games to talk about right now, as we realize we probably should have renamed this uh, episode something else. So let's start off with Soul Hackers, which is... Uh, let me see if I got it right. Digit... Uh, sorry, no, I already screwed it nope, up. Nope, you already messed it up. Shin Megami Soul Tensei. Sacrifice. Shin, Maga- Shin Megami Tensei, Soul Hackers. Dark Soul Hackerface. <laughs> that's what we should have called this episode, Dark Soul Hackerface. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so uh, Shin Megami Tensei, Soul Hackers. Is there anything else we can add to this title versus Devil Raido Summoner, Fusana? Soul Hackers? It's just Soul Hackers. No, it's, De- it's Shin Megami Tensei, Devil Summoner, Soul Hackers. Oh, for God's sake. <laughs> Super EX Turbo Hyper Alpha Edition. With an assault battery. Oh, boy. All right, so I have never played one of the Soul Hackers games, so I want you guys to give me a little bit of background. and well, then There's tell only me... one, so... Oh, there we go. <laughs> it, well, it's... Uh, it's originally a uh, PS1 and Saturn game, I believe, mm-hmm. and it never came out in the U.S. until now. Um, apparently, there was a full translation done, but for some reason, it was canned way, way back in the day. And so this is the first English release of the game, and I, I think it's pretty well beloved in the Shin Megami Tensei you know, fan base. Um, it's, you know, you run around, you recruit demons, you talk to them, you know, your, your staple Shin Megami stuff. It's got a... I think it has a very charmingly cheesy, outdated look at the internet. Like there's all this virtual reality, and yeah. you know, it, it's it's your early night or it's your you know late '90s look at virtual reality and the internet and the I whole world being networked. 
Yeah, uh, I think the greatest thing Soul Hackers has going for it is its atmosphere and design, um, because the gameplay is kind of archaic. I would say that I, I personally think that Persona One is almost unplayably bad, unplayably bad. Like, I I, I can barely stand to sit in front of it because it drives me crazy with how slow and weird everything is. But Soul Hackers is definitely a step above that. But I think playing it side by side with Etrian Odyssey Four, like having that juxtaposed, the incredible convenience and newness of Etrian Odyssey 4 versus Soul Hackers is kind of hard to swallow um, just because like there, there's some weird design decisions like if you have like your demons drain your uh, you have magnetite which is like a currency and having demons out drains that constantly as, as you walk around so it's like you have to I don't think that's bad necessarily but you have to strategize like when you yeah like to be out. You, yeah you're it's not like Shin Megami Tensei Nocturne where, you know, you just load your party up with awesome demons and roll. You, I, I found out, you know, I got killed by a boss and I went, all right, I'm going to train my demons. So I summoned six demons or uh, uh, a full four demons and they kept dying. And I was like, why do my demons keep dying? And it's because I was out of magnetite and the more demons you have summoned, the more magnetite it takes each step. So you have to really strategize when you're going to have which demon out and, you know, Generally, in regular fights, it seems like the best course of action is to have your two human party members and, you mm-hmm. know, like one or two demons. And then for yeah. a boss, if you need the extra demons, you summon them. But it's it is a I actually like that aspect of it because it's a lot more flexible in terms of there is a vast amount of strategy you have to employ. And it's not just, all right, I need the strongest demons. I need to pay right. attention to weaknesses. It, you know, it, be, What's that? It, it kind of sounds like an artificial resource thing, though. Like, um, I'm, I'm remembering back to Persona 3 and about how, like, your your party members would get tired if you were in the dungeon for too long. So it kind of, like, it put a stopping point on making you pull out of the dungeon so you didn't get too far. And then you would go and interact with the social links while they rested up. What se- what's the purpose of this magnetite and it diminishing and and you using it as a resource is it just to make sure that you don't overwhelm the dungeon is it to make you go do something else i mean i think why is it there i think it's a strategic consideration um at first i was like what the heck is the deal with this because the game makes no effort whatsoever to explain it to you um Mm -hmm. which is once i talked to people i was like okay i understand it i don't think it's a flaw i think it's just it's the choice they made where you really have to be mindful of which demons you're using when you're using them and your situation and um a lot of reviews have talked about how this game is very, you know, one demon can mean the difference between death and getting completely wiped and totally stomping a boss. So I actually, I like it. It's not, it's not accessible to a, a newcomer. Like if you haven't played a previous Shin Megami game, I could see you being overwhelmed by this because it's, I mean, even for me, I've played a bunch of them and I was like, wait, what's going on right. here? That's exactly how I feel. Like I've played pretty much all of the Shin Megami Tensei games and this one is kind of like, eh. It's it's kind of unwieldy, but I don't dislike it. There's an interesting the one of the cool things that ties the story into the gameplay is like so the main character has this demon summoning gun computer called a it's they call it like a gump a gun <laughs> comp. What, wait a minute. Yeah. Get it? Get it? A gump. Yeah. Yeah. It's Forrest a gump. it's a demon summoning gun, gun computer. Computer. Yeah. It's Shin Megami Tensei. Are you surprised? It's, it's called a gump, and whenever you open it, it goes, "I'm Lieutenant Diane." <laughs> Fried uh, shrimp. Cornbread shrimp, cornbread macadamia <laughs> nuts. So anyway, your comp, your gump. You can, uh, since the game is called Soul Hackers, you can actually hack your gump to provide various functions. Like, uh, I'm kind of confused because there seems there's like two different kinds of hacks, and I don't really, they didn't really explain very well. But there's like one kind of hack 
where you can uh, there's like if you touch the touchscreen, you can add a couple things like have all enemy um, analysis data displayed even if you haven't fought them before or like have an, an entire map displayed before you've walked on it that kind of stuff and you can like quote unquote hack the difficulty of battles up and down which is yeah, interesting i don't think it was in the original version i think that's something they added as as sort of a, a way to accommodate newer players or like the fact that the game is kind of old you know if, you, if it's yeah. too easy for you you can make it harder you can make it easier surprised. and, and it, it's pretty also... it's pretty much just it cuts out some of the the tedium that you might have if if you didn't normally like if you turn the analyze hack and the you know alignment hack which it functions kind of like strange journey where you can't have like chaos demons with law demons and you can turn that off if you want which i think is great for it accommodates a greater number of players so if you don't want to worry about oh i can't have this guy because he's evil and that guy's law and all that sort of thing if you just want to pile a bunch of cool demons it gives you that option do they interact with each other do they like yell and scream at each other or is it just like they no longer work well together I think that you just flat out can't have them summoned together. But again, uh, I've, I've, I've only played for a few hours because, A, yeah. I'm crazy busy with stupid crap, and I'm still finishing Persona 4. <laughs> Which is probably the superior game. But um, back to what I was saying before about, like, the I like the presentation and the atmosphere the best. I really, really like It's got the uh, early, mid-90s, like, sort of crappy CGI thing going on that I, <laughs> I, I, I find it, like, really, really charming. It reminds me, it's like, oh, I'm watching Reboot. Oh. Because everything is, like, super, I don't know. It's kind of crude, yeah, but. I, I, you know what? They, they made no bones about the fact that it is an older game, and I think it actually wears that well. That's part of I the like charm. It. Is, yeah. It's, it's, it, like you said, it's not like the original Persona, which, you know, I'm sure some people would stab us for saying so. But the original Persona, when I bought it, even in early 2000, I still thought it was pretty awful. Yeah, I really um, I don't. I, just, I don't. I don't think it's a very good game, but, you know, it. It hasn't aged well, whereas this... This has aged a lot better. It's yeah, like this, like, this is still very playable, and if you're a fan of Megami Tensei or just you like turn-based RPGs, there's plenty to chew on here. Like, the combat is good, and there's a ton of strategy involved. So, you know, you have you can have kind of these antiquated, you know, presentation elements, but... And for, for what it's worth, they did add in, like you said, I'm not sure if those, those particular hacks are added in for the DS version or the 3DS version, but they did add like a street pass kind of thing uh, where you can use your play coins to level up this little guy called Nimichi. And I'm not really sure what that does yet. I know that they you let, can buy demons using play coins, basically. but Yeah, when you level them up, you can get it unlocks more demons that he can summon. And I think when you get him to a certain level, he can actually join your party. Oh, OK. So I thought that was that was a cool addition. But somebody on, I think it was somebody on Twitter, I forget who, I apologize if you're listening to the show because I'm jacking your comment. But somebody was like, you know, the notion of carrying around a supercomputer in your pocket is a lot less exciting in today's age than it must have been in the mid-90s. <laughs> because cause that's what it's all about. You're living in this, in Ami, it's, Amami City is like a super technologically connected city and they have computer terminals that you can access all over the place. And it's like, dude, I have an iPhone. I have that. And I, I think that's part of the charm, though. Like I said earlier, the, the, the main plot is that they've just completed this network which connects the entire city um, so everybody can a- enter this virtual world from anywhere. And it's the Internet. But it's, it, you have a physical representation in there. And it's, it's pretty neat how it plays into there. So it's, it's kind of like watching <laughs> Hackers. It's super-duper cheesy, oh, but God. It, it's, it, it's, it's charming in a, in a certain way. Like, you I watch agree. it, you're like, this is so ridiculous. But it's... it's you know. When was Soul Hackers originally made, guys? Uh, uh, I'll find out. Like, Hang on. Like 90... 
Was it like 97, 98? 1997. Yes, good guess. And for what platform was it? Uh, Originally Saturn, and then it came out two years later on PlayStation. Okay, okay. So, yeah, it's it's good for them to bring it back, and I, I think we've seen enough from Atlas to know that maybe this is them gauging whether they should do another game in this similar style. That's so, fun. well, we're getting I, one. In, I, I will we're say, getting one in three months. <laughs> right? There you go. Oh my god! Shimmy well, we'll Game Four comes out in July. Yeah, I can't believe that. That is nuts. Because it comes out in May in Japan, and it, it's going to be only two months later. That's insane. Without uh, derailing too far, but do we know about the combat system in Shimigami Tensei 4? Is it going to be more like the press turn battle system? It's or the is press, it? It's the press turn system. Yeah, okay, thank turn. Christ, because I didn't want like I really don't like Strange Journey, and I was not looking forward to playing that. So. I didn't like I, Strange I, Journey? No, I really I don't. Really like I really don't. I, 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 I Sorry, go ahead, Rob. I, I don't find... Like, I get the strategic aspect of the combat, but it, it without having that extra layer of strategy of, like, hey, hitting them with something that makes them weak and then getting another turn, the battles just felt very cluster, you know what? Like, it just... It, and it felt like I was dying very quickly. It, I don't know. It just... It did not gel with me. And I, I gotta say that even though I try not to be a presentation person, I really didn't like the presentation of the game on the DS, and when I look at Shimagami Tensei 4, it looks so similar in that you can't really see your party and they're just kind of attacking. It's... See, I... I don't I, know. That doesn't bother me, um, because I've played Fantasy Star, but... Right. Um, I thought... I thought Strange Journey had kind of a neat, like, weird sci-fi vibe going on, but yeah, I didn't It was really very alien, and I liked that. Yeah, and the soundtrack reflected that. Like, it was really weird ambiance and stuff, but... Um, sorry, I spaced out. But with Shimigami Tensei 4, it has really great, awesome-looking 3D environments and runaround. It's just in the yeah. battle you have, you know, it's it's a first-person battle view, which it's kind of like, yeah. you know, Devil Survivor or the earlier Shin Megami games. I'm personally kind of surprised that they, they chose to go back to, like, uh, 2D sprites that are animated rather than doing 3D models, but I'm okay with it. Um, just because a lot of the time I feel like sprites can convey, like, you know, like well-drawn artwork conveys a lot more than, uh, a 3d model if that model is crude. So, well, another thing with it too, is that they're all very, very heavily animated. Like if you've seen the boss fight videos we posted, the oh, boss man, takes yeah. up the whole screen and it shifts around and the background looks super cool. So it yeah. really gives them a lot of space to make it look really creative and you have all this really inspired stuff. And then when you're running around, it looks just like, you know, it's like a behind the, it's an over the shoulder Shin Megami Tensei 3. Mm-hmm. And the art design is just fantastic. So I have to admit, I'm very excited for that game. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll definitely, I'm looking forward to it. It's just, uh, you know, I liked Nocturne, but I, you know, Digital Devil was more my thing uh, just because it was a greater focus on story. So I'm kind of interested to see what they do with that. So I have a feeling it'll be more focused on story than Nocturne, but maybe not as much as Digital Devil Saga. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so, so Soul Hackers, kind of an interesting Soul, little relic. Soul Hackers is pretty cool. Yeah, I'm. I, I wish I was more in love with it, but I still like it. I think I just need to put more time into it and figure out what I'm doing. I, I think odds are good that if you are the target audience for this game, you either already have it or you know you're going to get it. Yeah, yeah. Probably, yeah. So, uh, shall we move on to the I can't do the voice, guys, because of my throat. Soul, Soul Sacrifice! sacrifice. All right, so Soul Sacrifice on the Vita, and uh, once again, we're talking about a game that I don't have, so you guys will get to talk again for a long time. But you guys seem to buy a handheld. I know, I know, I really should. Um, I've kind of been on a uh, 
big PC kick right now with uh, Bioshock Infinite and now Knife of Dunwall. And I, I got to say, it was actually good for me to go away from RPGs for a little bit. I think I had kind of kind of been overwhelmed by a little bit. I almost restarted Skyrim the other day. I almost of, just of all the things like Skyrim because Skyrim. I I think we always I always remember the really good parts of Skyrim, and then I start playing it, and the jank just starts to drive me crazy after a while. Like mm. jank, 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 and then it goes. All right, well that's enough of that. But uh, yeah, kind of been away from RPGs for a little bit, but I was interested in Soul Sacrifice. So uh, Stephen apparently loves it. Derek apparently hates it. So <laughs> I, yeah. Uh, I think it has an incredibly well-defined and creative art style. The presentation of the story is like this talking book that you open up, and the book is like this nebulous thing where you're reliving the the events of the past of this like this important sorcerer who you don't know why yet. And the way they say is like, oh, the the book can be molded to your liking. That's how you can customize what the sorcerer looks like in his name, and you get these gorgeous looking, just this like concept arty style, like cutscene in the book with every chapter where like, it's got this cool voice actor who sounds just like Daniel from amnesia. And he's talking about his life and you get like, it's got this really cool looking font that kind of slaps on the screen. And then every time you get to a mission, like you tap the page and like you relive that sequence of the mission and gameplay wise, it's pretty much phantom dust, which is awesome. Derek, your turn. Uh, I think that the presentation is bland. <laughs> I, I I don't really I don't uh, for me it's like it's just not the art style. I, I don't mesh with the art style. It's like not my kind of thing. You don't like heavy uh, metal? No. And I think that the font the, I'm pretty sure that font is like PSV to DevKit font. So it doesn't impress <laughs> me at all. And I think that the idea of the book is really cool. I like the idea of rewriting all your stuff, but like they have there's a completely I, I I'm using the word I hate. There's a dichotomy between like when you're when it, the book comes open and it's presenting the story to you, that's kind of cool. But as soon as the book closes and then like it starts talking at like that the book itself has a mouth and he talks to you, he sounds stupid. And he's like he talks to you like like a like a tutorial and then the story is like the actual part in the book. So I was re- I found that really jarring. Sounds very evil dead with like the book I don't know. And and I'm not like I'm not a huge fan of hyperviolence, so that's just another personal preference. So if if you like stuff like that, then you'll probably really enjoy it, but I I just don't really find I mean that all everything is like uniformly grotesque. Like all the enemy designs are just like big gross blobby nasty monsters with dripping poison on their fangs and like, you know, gross rotting flesh and like that's just not me. I don't I don't Tasty. like it. I, I like love Sh- I love Shin Megami Tensei demons and stuff like that because I think the demon designs are creative, but these are just like gross, like garbage pail kids. The <laughs> now, Monster Hunter for- game. Forgive me for suggesting this, but do you think maybe the fact that you very clearly hate the art style is why you don't like the rest of the game in the presentation? Yeah, yeah that's a big part of it. And I mean, I that's like Dragon say- Quest. I like turn-based combat, but I hate, 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 hate the entire atmosphere in Dragon Quest. So it stops me from ever enjoying those games at all. Yeah, because I'm just like everything not, looks like Dragon Ball. I, I can hey, understand easy, that. Steven. Easy, Steven. And I'm not saying by any means that like Soul Sacrifice is a bad game. I don't think that it's a bad game. I just think it's like super far out of the realm of my tastes. I I do like the fact that the that your attacks are really customizable. However, because like like Steven said, it's kind of like Phantom Dust. So rather than picking up weapons, you get like they call them artifacts or offerings. I think. 
offerings, yeah. Yeah, and they're just like objects, but you map them to your buttons, and then each object conjures up like a magical ability. So I don't yeah. remember. There's like a bone. Like if you so if you use the bone, it conjures up like a big axe. Um, my only issue with that is that they have the stats seem very like it's a loot game, so it feels like they're trying to be like, oh, look how many unique weapons there are. But in reality, there's only going to be a certain number of types. And then like within that, there will be variants on like, oh, this one does wind damage or this one can poison the enemy. But they're going to like animate and feel the same, if that makes sense. So I, I, feel I like don't think I would call it a loot game. It's not that broad. And it's not it's not as broad as like Diablo, but it's, uh, you know, it, it it's, works it's like Monster Hunter-esque. It, it, the mapping system works a lot like the Fantasy Star Online one did where you have three slots and you put whatever you want and then like different attacks. Mm-hmm. And I've actually found a pretty considerable variety in what you have at your disposal here. Um, and a lot of customization for how you want to, what type of character you want to have. Like if you want to be a very heavy, heavily ranged character, you can use like the blood bullet skill and like all these different like arrow of light things going on. And I, I, I think, you know, we just have... I think it's just a matter of taste, and I don't, I don't, like I said, I don't think that makes it a bad game. Like, if I think a game sucks, like, I'll tell you that I think it's mechanically busted. I just think that I don't like the presentation, I don't like the art style, and I I don't feel like it's going to have a lot of variety. I feel like it's putting up a front, like it's going to have a ton of depth and, like, tons of weapons and stuff. And I could be, I could very well be proven wrong, but it just feels like there's not going to be as much as I think there could be. To, to go back a step, because I want to I go back to when Steven talked about how this game was very much like Phantom Dust. This is very much an action RPG, correct? Like you're moving around the screen, you're attacking yeah, people. Yeah, it's, it's an action RPG, yeah. Are you attacking like large groups of enemies? Or are you attacking like Monster Hunter, like one very giant boss? Like, is this more like God of War? It, it, like... it kind of it varies. Like basically every level is they dump you into an arena, which are pretty similar in size to the arenas in Phantom Dust. And you'll face like, oh, there'll be like, you know, here's a bunch of, like, animal-looking enemies, and you'll kill a couple of them, and, you know, occasionally there'll be, like, a big boss enemy, and some of the levels you'll just fight one giant boss-type enemy, so it, it sort of varies. But now it's not, um, it, it's not, like, environment-based, like, when you when I hear arenas, that makes me cringe yeah. a little bit, like... Yeah, they're, like, instanced little levels. Ooh. Oh, that's well, kind of a shame. Well, it's not really meant to be an open world action. No, no, no. I'm not. I'm not asking for that. But like, I, that gets to my point that we've talked about multiple times on the show, where like I'm an explorer when I play a video game. So that well, immediately, or this isn't your kind of game. Okay. No okay. Explorer. No, that's fair. That's fair. I mean, it's, it doesn't mean that it has to be an exploration game. But that's when I first saw the game. That's the kind of vibe I got. Like I, it, people were kind of joking that this looked like they were just aping Dark Souls and Monster Hunter, and it kind of sounds like they they did their own thing, which is good. But it it maybe isn't going to appeal in the way a lot of people we're expecting it to i think it, it does play similarly to monster hunter i'm sure that's the comparison most people are going to make i mean even john said he said it's monster hunter uh, i think that is a little bit disingenuous in that it oversimplifies what they've done here but it, yeah. it's pretty much in my opinion the co- it's the, the combat system is monster hunter plus phantom dust okay, mm-hmm. okay. i think that's apt and I, However, I think the game is going to review well too i just don't think it's for me i have to admit i do think that um oh gosh i had a thought People are going to play it, and I think Monster Hunter has terrible, terrible controls and just really bad combat. And I'm sure everyone who loves Monster Hunter is going to be like, no, it's not the case. Um, this plays much better than Monster Hunter. The, the movement is much more fluid. And I agree with you're, that. You're not fighting with the controls to play it. Like People call that depth in Monster Hunter. It's not depth. 
it's obtuseness for the sake of being obtuse. It's like Dynasty Warriors. Mm-hmm. I agree with uh, that assessment. Okay. Okay. Is this going to be the savior of the Vita? Uh, I think no. that unfortunately people are setting it up as that. They're saying like, no, "Oh, I don't, this is I don't the reason so why Vita." I don't think so at all. Yeah. I think it's going to review well, like I said, but I don't think it's going to be the savior of the system by any means. Well, I don't. I think we've well, reached a point where it isn't about one game anymore saving a system. The 3DS is starting to pump out, you know, quite a bit in terms of sales numbers, and it's because of a multitude of games. I think we're we're starting to get away. I would say as consumers from the I bought this device for one game. At least I have, as I've gotten older. I mean, I I bought a Vita with the intent of playing Persona Four. Yeah, I, uh, I, I bought mine I, for when I bought Persona it. 4. I had like fifteen games thanks to PlayStation Plus. So that's true. Which They're is really good about that. Yeah, better deal, better deal. So when does Soul Sacrifice come out this summer? No, I think it comes like, out in like a week. In like a week. Oh, yeah. okay. Oh, wow. Okay, sweet. Oh, and one thing we didn't mention. Um, it's they've got a really cool feature, much like the Etrian Odyssey 4 demo. You get to carry over your um, information to the full game, and, and it's the, a big demo. Yeah, the demo is actually just chapter one of the full game. We so, need more of that. We yeah, need... I agree. That's an awesome thing for developers to do. Yeah, because you know what? It gets you playing the game before it's even out. Like I've been playing Soul Sacrifice in my spare time because I'm like, well, I'm not wasting my time doing this. I'm going to get to carry everything over. Yep, exactly. Well, I I think um, especially with PC gaming, I think. A demo is extremely important. Like I like to see how the game will run on my rig before I shell out fifty bucks for it. Uh, with uh, I, I wanted to bring this up because Capcom is doing this really weird thing, where every game that Capcom is bringing out on PC, they're putting down the exact same system requirements. Like regardless of what game it is, they're like, okay, <laughs> you, you need like uh, one gigabyte, uh, seventy eight, ninety, or or whatever. And I'm like, wow, that's actually really high. And then I and then Stephen bought me Devil May Cry DMC, and I play it, and the game runs like butter on my system. It's not even cooking my graphics card at all. I'm like, yeah, what? Devil May Cry run my card idles at like 35, and Devil May Cry has it at like 45. Yeah, exactly. Like I I didn't understand it, and then like Resident Evil 6 came out, and they said like the exact same system requirements, and I'm just kind of sitting there like, do you guys understand what system requirements mean? Like uh, you're you're terrifying me when you put those kind of system requirements up there, and then I buy your game, and it turns out to run fine. Meanwhile, like th- there are other games that I would like to see how they play on my rig, especially as we're getting into this like in between section where my 6870 isn't the top of the line an- anymore. It's like maybe mid to slightly higher. So I'd like to see how these games run on my rig before I shell out the money for it. I mean. I, I know how a game is going to play on my PlayStation 3. I don't necessarily know how it's going to play on my PC. Well, you don't necessarily know how it's going to play on your PS3. That... You hope you hope you do. I, yeah. who, who is that developer that said you shouldn't make demos because just get the consumer? It was some, like, uh, I don't know. It was one of those, like, Farmville-type companies, wasn't it? Oh, God. Didn't Crytek... It's been a week of stupid people saying stupid stuff. Like, didn't Crytek come out and say, like, graphics are 60% of the game? Well, sad, sadly, they're right in terms of sales. Yeah, I'm just like, what? Oh, man. But actually, the more Servat Yearly talks or whatever the hell, or, oh, bad word, whatever the heck his name is, the more I just want him to shut up and stop making video games. <laughs> uh, we, well, we talked about that a little bit before the show about how, like, Bioshock Infinite is getting this round of hate 
from developers. And it's really coming across as petty and childish. I'm not saying it's a perfect game. I think there's legitimate criticisms to be lobbed at it. But when somebody brings up, oh, you know, Bioshock Infinite doesn't really, it doesn't portray the Battle of Wounded Knee in a proper light. It's and like, it's not, you it's realize not, the game's about <laughs> dimensional tearing and stuff, right? Yeah, exactly. I'm like, really? That's your complaint about the game? Like, I get the gameplay mechanic complaints, but like, you're complaining that we didn't spend more time at Wounded Knee? Like, what? what? Like, when th- th- There is a flying city going on? Yeah, I'm, I'm, excuse me while I whip out the flying city in 1912. Like, Hang on while I go ride this roller coaster. Yeah, exactly. I, I just think that, I don't know, I, I feel like the game industry is getting really petty. We, we had a wonderful email from a, a listener who's, who kind of, I, I'm not trying to toot our own horn here, but he gave us some praise for saying that, like, hey, you guys don't hate on everything, and I, I kind of get a reputation for hating on everything, but there is a lot of stuff that I really, really love, and I don't think we sit here with a cynical attitude. Some of the podcasts I've been listening to lately, like, there's this so much negativity, man. Like everybody hates everything now. Yeah, I don't yeah. want to. I don't want to call the giant bomb guys out for it because I really respect like Jeff Gersman as a reviewer. I think he writes very intelligent reviews. I think he was one of the first people to kind of come out and say, "Hey, Zelda's kind of repeating itself over and over again," and he did that with Twilight Princess years ago. So I respect him, but like on the I respect giant, you, bro. I respect you. But like on the giant bomb cast, like it's so much cynicism. Yep. Like that's I'm... that's why I stopped listening to um, Red Sun Gamer because they were like because they the there are two podcasts that do Japan game news are Red Sun Gamer and Eight Four Play and I like Eight Four Play I think they can also they also verge on negative but um, they're a lot better about it and they're smart people but like Red Sun Gamer also I'll give them the benefit of the doubt and say they're smart people but like every episode was just somebody'd be like so I really like this game and they'd be like lame next. Yeah, I, I like, think 8-4 really? Play is easily my favorite uh, podcast out there right now. Um, I feel like we're I'm, plugging other shows right now. but like we I'm get... a really big fan of this music podcast I've been listening to <laughs> called Rhythm Encounter. <laughs> mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. like uh, like Weekend Confirmed, I, I used to really like the old One Up Yours show, but Weekend Confirmed gets a little too... I don't want to say highbrow, but I think there's a little bit of overanalysis going on sometimes. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm just a, a cave. I'm just a caveman. You know, your world frightens and confuses me. If any of the kids got that reference, I'm really impressed right now. Uh, but I, I listen to Weekend Confirmed. And it sounds like they're, they're on this higher plane of talking, whereas I would sometimes say, "Hey, I had fun with that game." Like I think there's time for higher level conversations, but every once in a while, I'm like, "We're having a higher level conversation about FIFA." Like, really? Yeah, really? No. FIFA. 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 So, uh, By yeah. the way, uh, uh, a good friend of mine is now in the top tier of the league in FIFA on Xbox 360. He's been Ooh. working on it for a while. Ooh. It's like top 5% in everywhere. That's pretty cool. I definitely think we, we should strive to be positive. I know, uh, again, I, I'm probably one of the bigger negative voices on, on the site, and I, I apologize for that. I, I tend to be very critical. Um I think more so with gameplay than story, for example. But you know, there's there's a lot that I'm really excited about right now. Uh, so I definitely want to be positive. Uh, we just got the announcement of The Evil Within, which is basically the game that I've been waiting for since 2005 when I played Resident Evil 4. So really, it's not really, an RPG. I know, I know, but I'm I'm swinging it around because I'm I'm going to talk about some more positive things, and then that leads me directly to this little game that's going to be coming out probably in 2014 and we got our first look at actual gameplay the witcher 2 3 <laughs> witcher 2 5 3 sir 4 wrong series dark souls 2 i stole your thunder ooh, 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 ooh. <laughs> 
Okay, I'm so... I'm just going to mute myself. See you guys later. Oh, would you stop? Did you watch the gameplay reveal on IGN? No, I wouldn't know what's different. I offered I to buy Dark, Dark Souls for Derek, and he still won't play it. <laughs> what? Buy it for me. I told you to. <laughs> for a computer? Yeah, but you said you wouldn't play it. Yeah, no, I did not. I specifically, I was like, if it'll you buy be, it for me, I'll play it. It'll be on Steam sale for like a buck fifty with a bag of fries. This when it's summer. like, when it's yeah, ten bucks, buy it for me, and I'll give you a hug later. So, uh, so IGN had the reveal of Dark Souls Two. We got a new kind of short gameplay trailer that was very atmospheric, and then they demoed about ten minutes of the game, and they had an interview. Um, overall, I I think that a lot. I, I feel like this interview and uh, trailer and uh, gameplay was damage control because there was all the negativity that came out from the Edge article and words like accessibility being thrown around. They showed this game and they were like, yeah, guys, it's it's Dark Souls. It's, it's Dark Souls just with more stuff and a lot of really cool additions and there's a lot of creativity in there that I'm excited to see. Just they... Like when they started showing all the, like the death sequences, I was I was happy to see that they had like a sense of humor about it. Like the dude who gets, does kind of like the fist pump in the air and then gets knocked off of a cliff and yeah. like getting killed by the chariot. At that point, I realized that we're basically just playing 3D Castle, uh, 3D Symphony of the Night. Well, I wouldn't say Symphony of the Night because that game's easy as hell, but I'd say like 3D, 3D Castlevania 3. <laughs> 3D Castlevania, yeah. Yeah, Castlevania 3. Um, I, I got to say that from what I saw, uh, I saw very good environments. I think that once again, this game is going to live or die based off of its uh, environmental storytelling and the the art direction mixed with navigation. I'm a, they, they said one thing that got me a little nervous because they were like, well, we want to cut down on backtracking. And I don't want to be a negative Nancy. I just got done saying I want to be positive. But I, I really like the backtracking nature in Dark Souls. Maybe what they're talking about is more shortcuts. But I do like the going back and having like Oh, I, I, you know, a friend told me that there's a sword in this area, so I, I hope we don't lose that. I hope there's still the incentive to go back and, and explore I, new areas. I, th- I don't think that that's going to be lost, but that was like one little statement that got me like, hmm. Yeah, I'm willing, to, I'm willing to bet they mean more shortcuts, because in Dark Souls, there could be occasions like mid-game, like right before you go to In Orlando, where it's like, uh, I have to be like across the map and I haven't unlocked teleporting yet, so... It, you know, you'd have to run for a good, you know, 10, 15 minutes to get somewhere. Yeah, I, I think that's what I, I read it more as. Uh, I, I will say that their new graphics engine, uh, it didn't blow my mind the way that the Edge article said, but I, I, you could see lots of improvements, lots of little things like the grass swaying that kind of gave the environments a little bit more, um, more of a lifelike feel. I thought that was good. I thought it looked great when the dude lit the torch and he like went down in this pitch dark area. I thought that looked awesome, like very, very old school Silent Hill. Um, I love the one new enemy that they showed that was like this big hulking brute with a with like a huge hammer. And oh, that was cool. Yeah, and he fell on him. Yeah, he goes goes behind to backstab him, and the dude just falls on him and does that, that, massive damage. That, that was great. That, that's what I was saying. Where I really like the attitude they have about it. It's like they have this tongue in cheek glee to just screw the player, but not like unfairly. But like you know, now you know. Well, they're playing with your expectations. I mean, uh, backstabbing and positioning. I mean, what we've talked before, maybe a little bit. Uh, negatively about Dark Souls and about how a lot of it is just like, you know, spinning the guy around and then getting behind them, especially with boss fights. And it seems like now they're playing with those expectations. And I think that's a really good thing. I I think it was kind of silly of them to show the multiple ways of dying. Like, I think Dark Souls is a really, really hard game to demo. When When I watched the first gameplay reveal for Dark Souls on GameSpot, I didn't know what to make of it. 
it's not an easy game to demo and by showing a couple of death scenes like the chariot and then kind of the glitchy nature on when the the bridge got broken i wouldn't have shown that i would have shown like the atmospheric stuff like the the dude who busts through a wall and you had to fight him that's the stuff i would have shown i wouldn't have shown deaths necessarily i would have just shown a little bit more of the atmospheric stuff but overall i i think it it looks good it looks like dark souls it looks like what we're expecting the game to be i think the game looks very early i don't think there's a prayer of that game coming out in 2013 uh, which is probably a good thing. I don't want that game to get lost. They said that they sold, what, like 2.7 million copies of Dark Souls 2, uh, which Square Enix would say that's a failure, but obviously they didn't put nearly as much money into Dark Souls 1 as uh, they did anything else. Did I say sell of Dark Souls 2? I feel like I did. But uh, selling that many copies of a game at that amount of money to produce it's a big success for from software. So let's, let's hope they do it again. Definitely looks good. Yeah. I'm pretty I, surprised I think... that, no, sorry. Go ahead, Derek. <laughs> I was just going to say, I, I feel like from software was always kind of a smaller developer that nobody really took notice of. Cause they made like King's quest or not King's quest, uh, Kingsfield, right? And enchanted yeah. arms and enchanted arms. Yeah. And I mean, enchanted, like this is the same company that brought enchanted arms. Really? Are you ready for this? Well, I think the, <laughs> I remember uh, that. I feel like the Souls series is really fitting a a niche that has kind of been lost. I mean, I, I don't get me wrong. I love today's video games. I love Dishonored, love Bioshock Infinite. I love all these games, but, like, there is something for that old school, like, Ninja Gaiden 1, Castlevania 1, just really whole, hard, difficult right, well, games. And, you know, we kind of lost that a little bit. I think games have kind of lost their teeth. And Ninja Gaiden One is just ridiculous. Yeah, but but I think that the I think the Soul series is fitting into that very old school nature of video games. Like the I'm gonna sit down and I'm gonna beat this, mm-hmm. and that's where they're finding success. And I I think we're gonna see more of that. I think with these you know possibly always on consoles, which I think we should talk about in news. I think we're gonna see snippets of that in other games like the having people come into your game to help you out or messages on games and hints i think a lot of games are going to start taking those ideas because that community feature is what we keep hearing over and over about with the playstation 4 and possibly the next xbox so yeah i, don't know. I guess we'll see i don't know I'm, I'm not getting the next xbox if any of what i've been hearing is true i would like us to talk about that in news so let's let's save that real quick but uh yeah dark souls 2 i i think e3 is going to be the big coming out party i think that's when we'll probably get uh a date on when it's going to release steven you will be calling me immediately after you play that <laughs> yes. no i'm not i'm not kidding you're calling me immediately after you play that i'm, I'm pretty sure if it's there and it's playable and we get an appointment john will send me to it because i think i'm the only one going that gives <laughs> Although Kyle's going too, so Kyle likes Dark Souls as well. So that's true. That's true. I'm very excited for the game, and uh, the promise of having uh, dedicated servers makes me happy. So yeah, I I think mission accomplished. It looks like Dark Souls. I am excited. I just got a really cool ability in Soul Sacrifice. That lets me burrow underground. But Derek won't like it. It's such mm-hmm. a. It's a shame you don't like it because now I'm not going to have anyone to play it with, and that that's that's unfortunate. Because okay, we still have. FF14 and everything else probably in the future. Rob could always get a Vita. Rob could always get a Vita. I'll probably get a 3DS before I get a Vita. Fill that void. Probably get a 3DS before I get a Vita, honestly. Yeah, well, the 3DS library is, like, ridiculous. And that's actually one of the things that we're talking about today 
Uh, are you ready to go on to news? Uh, I would say so. Do we want to talk about the Durango stuff first, or do we want to wait until the end? Durango. I, I kind of want to get a gauge. Okay, so let's let's do this. I want to get a gauge for you guys, because I think that there have been a lot of reports coming out, conflicting reports, some people saying that the next Xbox is always on. Uh, a new report came out the other day saying that, no, it's not always on. You had the Orth dude saying, deal with it, Cliff Cliff Blazinski kind of backed that up a little bit. I know how I feel about this. Um, I wanted to get your guys' gauge on this. Like, I, I feel like there's a lot of vitriol, and some of it's – I understand why, and then some of it I don't. I think the Xbox, the new Xbox, is not aiming for the – they're doing what Nintendo did. They're not aiming for the same segment anymore. Microsoft wants to be the console that you can watch your football game on, watch your fight night on, go play some Madden, go play some Call of Duty – and then watch TV with the Xbox. They, they're, they're going for the set-top thing, and game companies have been trying to do this for freaking ever. And with all of the marketing that Microsoft does, I have, I have a pretty low opinion of them console-wise. I just The Xbox has become everything I don't like about gaming, and not that Sony is making every right step, but I am not terribly enthralled with what I hear about the new Xbox, and I think it's foolish to... Yes, you can get away with having Always Online, because everyone said the original Xbox would tank because it was broadband only, and it didn't tank. It did really well, and it probably helped usher in console broadband, but I just – there are people with spotty internet. Like, you look at Dave. Dave couldn't play Diablo 3 for, like, almost a month because of connection issues, so do you think Dave is going to rush out and get a new Xbox when it has to be Always Online and his games won't work unless he's online? And I don't know, it's just not what I want out of a game. Like, I, I, I play games to play games, not so I can get on my console and, I don't know, it's, I have a computer, I don't need an Xbox. The only reason I own a PS3 is for exclusive games, so, I, give me I, two handhelds and a PC. I really like the argument, uh, once again, Jeff Kanata on Weekend Confirmed, he, he had this argument, and he, he looked at it from a very different angle, because there's a lot of a lot of anger going on with this always on potential uh, Xbox 360 console, and I get that, but here was his point. What is the benefit of having an always on console? Piracy. That's, Microsoft, <laughs> if, if, if this is true... And, you know, maybe it will be, maybe it won't be. I hope, I like to think that they're gauging interest and they're taking that feature out if it was there. Because I'm willing to bet it was there and they're like, holy crap, people are really mad about this. It doesn't add anything. It's just like when EA came out and they were like, oh, SimCity, yeah, there's added value by always being online. No, there's not. See, I, I kind of agree it, with you. Like, I, I was sitting there thinking, like... Okay, the added value is from the the piracy standpoint, from the you know p- keeping people from pirating video games. But to the consumer, they're going to claim what is that the advantage. No, that's the thing. They're they're going to spin it because this is what PR does. They're going to spin it and go, well, it adds this. You're always online, so we can have real time updates of your trophy status, and your friends can check your gamer score right while you're playing the game. And you know maybe there will be cool stuff like Sony has that thing where you know you can jump in and watch someone playing your game. So, you know, there will be things that are there, but it's nothing that couldn't be technically accomplished by not having your console always online. I think that's just a crap argument that is probably going to go through anyway because, you know, they're making a console. I Dave was right when he said that the console industry might be, you know, it's, you know, it's a time of change and what worked before may not necessarily work in the future. 
But I have I have a very low opinion of corporate shenanigans, and I think that they'll just try to spin it just like EA did. EA has yet to admit any real fault in SimCity. They're like, we're sorry it didn't work, but it really adds to the game, ignoring the fact that SimCity is broken even when it works. But it, I, I think they'll come out and say, well, you have all these great online social features now, but it really doesn't – it's not for the consumer. And to say anything else is a flat-out lie and PR spin, and that's exactly what's going to happen if it's online. They're going to go, there's so much for you to get out of this. No, there's so much for us to get because now people can't pirate our games as easily. Well, and, and Cliff Blazinski came out and he was like, well, well now wait a minute here. People and, – and you touched it on, on it already, Stephen, but he comes out and says, well, everybody thought that Xbox was nuts for putting the broadband in and the, and the Xbox One and making it broadband only. But here's the point. That didn't prevent you from playing Halo. If you no. didn't have broadband, that prevented you from playing online games, but it did not tank the console. Yeah, that's I, what I agree. I, that's what I don't get with this. It's like, no, 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 no. This isn't – this is adding some features. If the console's always on, then what that literally means is that without an internet connection, I can't play my console. So, like, if the internet goes out in my apartment, that probably means that my electricity's gone out, and that means I'm probably not going to be playing my console. So I, that's not an argument that I really go with with this always-on console. What I'm saying is that having an always-on console is going to limit the number of people that can buy this device. And if you have any problems that could happen, it's going to immediately boot you off. And then to go along with that, this doesn't give the consumer anything like it, it like steven already mentioned that you'll get to do like oh those you'll get to check in if you're if the playstation 4 was always online then you get to check in and and see what's going on and see another person what they're playing that's an added benefit but should that be should my always on be required in order to get that no that's a nice side thing to have much the same way as online with halo 2 you could still play halo 2 four-player co-op, uh, four-player deathmatch or whatever, and then the online was a huge added benefit. So it didn't limit you from... It limited you from features, but it didn't keep you from playing the game to begin with. Yeah, that's I the agree. argument that I was going to make, actually. That, because, I, I mean, I, my thoughts mirror both of you guys. That's why I haven't really said anything, because you're saying everything I was going to say. So I don't think it adds any value to the consumer. I, I think that they're cutting out a, a sizable portion of their potential consumer base and i think it's kind of dumb anyway sorry steven go ahead no no that's that's perfectly fine i think you look at like the, they say oh steam you have to be always online wrong steam you can go in offline mode steam works offline and steam adds a benefit it's like valve said back when before they kind of penetrated the russian market and you know everyone was like oh it's it's hopeless to sell games in russia hopeless 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 and valve was like really because we released steam there and we sold a bazillion copies because if you make it easier to purchase a game and offer added benefits, people will buy it. Steam is an incredible service. The, the multi-game chat, it keeps everything up to date. I mean, Steam, I, I, I feel pretty confident saying Steam revitalized PC gaming, period. Because Steam, I'm connected to all my friends on Steam. I can take screenshots. I can upload them anywhere I want. You know, the overlay is fantastic. I can open a browser without minimizing the game. Yeah, we chat and, all the time on Steam. Like, we'll just be playing games on the computer, and we just, boop. That's yeah, so convenient. Exactly. And there's an added benefit. I say, okay, I could buy a DRM version of this game, but if I get it on Steam, I get Steam Cloud, you know, with, with a lot of games. I, get, I can get it anywhere I want. Steam is a service that adds value. 
Whereas this Microsoft thing, if it's true, does not add value. It takes value away, and it's anti-consumer. They'll spin it the other way. People will buy it anyway, and it won't matter. But the fact of the matter is that this is flat-out anti-consumer, and it's typical of any corporation. Well, you got you have to also acknowledge that if this thing is going to be always on, then I'm sure that it is going to have that DRM protection on it, and I'm sure it's going to be constantly pinging back to what game you're playing, and I have a feeling that this thing is going to limit used game sales. I think they're going to have you activate the game on on your Xbox, whatever, and that game is going to be linked to that account. So then it's going to devastate the used game market for the Xbox, which is where a lot of people buy games. A lot of people that maybe don't have the income to be buying 60, you know, people are now saying maybe $70 games on the next console. Like, I just, this is arrogance on a level that, yeah, some people it's not going to affect. It certainly wouldn't affect me because my internet doesn't go out that much. And so I'm okay with that, but I'm more like, what does this bring to the table? What does this do? And you better believe that the number one thing that is going to screw them up is you think EB Games is going to allow this? Do you think they're going to be okay with this? With limiting the used game market? And that's where they make almost all of their profits? You better believe the backlash is going to be nuts against them if this is true. I can't believe this is true because I don't think Microsoft would be allowed to do it. I, I just... There's enough backlash. The problem is I know enough people who are just, they're fans of Xbox, they like the Xbox experience, and they're going to go and say, well, yeah, it sucks, but I'm just going to buy it anyway because it's the games I want to play. And I think that's going to be their saving grace because if they do this, it will sell well and, you know, it'll create, it, it will create its own market, I think. But on the other hand, look what Sony did with the PS3 when that first came out. It took a long time for it to get footing because they had the same kind of hubris where people... People, you know, will work harder to get our product, and it's like, well, no, they won't. They just won't buy it until you make it accessible. Is this just like a thing that every lead platform has to do? Like every lead platform holder, the following generation has to screw it up. I mean, Sony didn't screw it up too bad between PlayStation One and PlayStation Two. I mean, PlayStation Two was, you know, notoriously difficult to develop for, but they didn't like screw it up. But, like, what the hell? Like, then they do the PlayStation and I, 3, and now this? It's like, what Well, the? and the thing is, with Sony, Sony turned it around real fast. They did, you know, they, in terms of the quality of games you got, and, like, they're really courting indie developers, Sony is approaching this from what I think is a very smart perspective of courting indie games and sort of, like, the... the they're correctly assessing where the future, I think, of most games are going to be, because... Development cannot be linear. There's no way it can get more expensive and more dramatic for AAA games. It's already dangerous as it is. So I, I think Microsoft continuing to lean on that that crutch is a mistake. The, uh, to go with that, and then and then we'll move on. The the cost of games, and and that's why you have Square Enix saying that nearly three million copies of Tomb Raider sold is a is a disappointment. There was a great article on Escapist about the Thief reboot, and the guy said. You know, I don't have a hard time with them recasting the the voice of Garrett. That's not the thing I'm concerned about. I'm concerned about the reasoning for it, which is they recast the voice of Garrett because they wanted somebody that could go along with the mocap and could act it and also be the character voice. Okay, I get all that. Somebody explain to me why Thief needs to have mocap for the cutscenes, for the, the actual, like, in-game cinematics. You are spending money on something that I really don't think anyone's asking for. And that's what's ballooning the cost of video games right now. And it's making me sick to my stomach. <laughs> like, it, it is honestly, like, 
we're going to see really good developers shut down because of things like this. Like, oh man, we, we had to spend, you know, 13 million on mocap or whatever. I'm God only knows. Like, our gamer, do we want that? Am I am I the only one that that really doesn't care whether or not it's mocapped? Like I really, I honestly could care less. If it if it makes sense in the game, I don't mind it. Like it looks great in Uncharted, but it's not in Thief. I'm like it's first person. I don't care. Yeah, I I don't get it. I don't get where these developers are spending their money right now. And it's like, and we're seeing the cost of these games balloon to the point where you know a game has to sell four or five million copies before it's considered to be profitable like what the hell that's what and meanwhile you have from software that's sitting there going hey look how many copies of dark souls we sold that's awesome nice reference but that that's the thing is because they 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 spent enough money jim sterling brought this up as well they spent enough money on that thing to make it profitable they sold what they wanted to sell and more and so they have a successful game. It doesn't matter if Tomb Raider sells 3 million copies because they needed 4 million to be considered decently selling. Like, I, oh my god. I, there's going to be a collapse at some point if these games continue to cost this much to make. Something's got to give. Something's got to give. That's a nice rom-com, isn't it? So with us complaining about the industry like right now, let's swing it around, because I know Derek's waiting, and let's talk about Nintendo who basically just said, well, here you go. Here's Hot everything shot. you wanted. Hey, yep. we're, we are releasing everything ever. <laughs> yeah, Nintendo blew everybody's faces off with this Nintendo Direct just this past week. So they announced a ridiculous amount of stuff. Um, and it was like, as the presentation was going on, it was exciting, exciting thing after exciting thing. And then at the very end, they dropped that megaton of the new Link to the Past. But uh, let's let's go through it. Uh, one by one, I guess. So, I don't know. Do you guys want to talk about the Link to the Past title? Since I already mentioned uh, it. I've watched every video I can find. There's one in the RPG fan forums. And it... I really... I love top-down Zelda. I don't like the 3D Zeldas that much. I, I say it all the time. Link to the Past and the two Oracle games and Minish Cap are my favorite Zelda games. And watching this video, I was getting really excited. Because it's got this awesome art style. And it's got... You know, it looks like a modern Zelda. But then it has... The, the cool top-down view and, you know, the sound effects and remix music from Link to the Past, you know, yeah, that, that you can buy me with that. But what really got me is that there was this whole 20-minute gameplay demo and there was not one tutorial message, not one, hey, we should go over there and find that guy. Well, but before we find that guy, we have to think about why we want to find that guy. I wonder what Princess yeah. Zelda is doing. Which button thank, do I Thank you know? God. Like, that, I, that's what I'm excited about, that, yeah, that I, design. I think because the mechanics are so much easier on the handheld and, and they're so much more intuitive and you're not sitting there like having the game auto jump for you. Like, I, I, I think they can do that. I still think there'll be some tutorials. I think it might be a little naive to think that there won't be any. But if it's more of that old school Zelda design of like, hey, dude, go figure it out. That's what I'm all for because that's what I kind of miss with Zelda. And I, I think that Zelda's gotten a little too... At least the first three hours of every Zelda game is a slog. And I'm sick of it, so... Yeah, I I'm really excited to see that. Not, I mean, and Link to the Past is the most favorite Zelda of a lot of people. It's it's my favorite, so it's like, oh, And I like that they... Uh, they I, it remains to be seen what they do with the, the 3DS's capabilities. But they did say that one of the big things they're really trying for is they want to have it be an overhead Zelda, but they want to play with depth and, and height by, by making Link like have to jump you know, up and it, it looks like it's jumping at you at the player. So 
I think that's cool that they they took that into consideration. They weren't just like, well, we're going to make it and then not really pay attention to what we're doing with the system. Yeah. So and anyway, so speaking of that, and and Stephen mentioned um, Oracle of Ages and Oracle of Seasons. So that's an exciting virtual console release. Um, Whenever I fill out Club Nintendo surveys, they're always like, what would lead to you visiting the Nintendo eShop again? And I'm like, Oracle of Ages and Seasons. (laughs) Now, now here. Okay, so they're going to bring those out on virtual console. Yes. Yes. Okay. Now, here's my question, because there's a lot of confusion on this right now, and I can't easily find the answer. There is a difference between the Wii Virtual Console and the Wii U Virtual Console, right? Yes. yes. So, so that means that games that are released on the Wii U Virtual Console are not necessarily on the Wii Virtual Console. Yes. They're, they're not, period. Well, because the Wii U Virtual Console is the one that has like the off-screen play and like the, the weird... The, Additional features that aren't in the Wii versions of it. Okay, I, I get it, and I and I understand, and I, I understand it's their new console, but I gotta say I'm a little bummed. I'm somebody that the odds of me buying a Wii U are quite low. I don't think there's any way I'm gonna buy a Wii U. I'm not interested in it, and I'm kind of bummed that the only way that I could play these games is... Well, the, the this, this that game, the me. Oracle of Ages and Seasons, that's for the 3DS eShop. Okay, okay, so there, okay, so there's an even bigger layer. There's the 3DS eShop. Correct. There is a different virtual console for each system. Is there? Al- although you can, if you know, if you have a Wii, like as people know, you can transfer your Wii stuff over to your Wii U. It just won't have those extra Wii U features. Right. But now, can I transfer? Can I play? Am I going to be able to play Oracle of Ages and Oracle of Seasons on the Wii U? No, not unless they make that a feature later. I feel like there's a lot of confusion here, and, and maybe I'm just you know. Well, again, it's just they're, they're separate entities. Like I, I wish they were all connected. That would be a lot better. Don't see why they're not. I don't either, and it, it's also annoying because like if you buy money for any of the shops, it oh, stays no. in whatever oh, console you buy for. Oh so. God! Oh, it's it's not that bad. No, but it. Can you but imagine if you could play... Okay, so maybe set the Wii aside. The Wii's pretty much dead. So, yeah, I'm a little bummed that I'm not going to be able to play a Oracle of Ages and Seasons of the Wii. Okay, I can no, get that's that. that's the 3DS, not the Wii. Right, right, right. But what I'm saying is oh, okay. that then you should make it available on the Wii U and the 3DS. How awesome would that be? Yeah, to be able to transfer saves between the two. Like, this is something that Sony is at least trying to do right with the Vita and their cross-play initiative. And I think they're having just as many problems. But, like... This is one of those, like, I would be at a marketing meeting or I would be at a meeting with with the Nintendo execs, execs going, why don't we make this available for the Wii U and the 3DS? Mm-hmm. Like, wouldn't this be it awesome? It makes sense. I wish, yeah. I mean, I'm down with that. Oh, that, that bums me out a little bit. Me too. And, and, the, and the news that you're getting to bums me out even more. Which one is that? That's going to be the Earthbound one in a few minutes. Oh, okay. Well, oh, well, that shouldn't. It bums you out because you don't have a Wii U, but that's that's something on your end that you could fix. Yes, but now, why could that also be on the 3DS? Why isn't that on the 3DS? We're talking about a Super I don't Nintendo know. game. I think it should be also, but but I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I, I think Super Nintendo games not being available on the 3DS is a huge missed opportunity. I feel like this is a, and and I also feel like it's very con- confusing to the consumer. I, f- I feel like we're sitting here right now like, okay, I can buy Oracle of Ages, Oracle of Seasons on my 3DS, but I can't play them on my Wii U, but I can buy Earthbound on my Wii U, and I can't play it on my 3D. Like, why aren't these two systems connected? This let's is be, silly. Let's be honest. I, again, I, like I said, I think the Super Nintendo games not being available on the 3DS is a, a misstep. 
considering that people hacked PSP to do that years ago. Yeah. There's there's no re- it, it, it cannot possibly take Nintendo any effort to put a Super Nintendo emulator. And the only reason I can think is that they want to say, well, if you want to play the home console games, you have to have the home console. But it's true. I'm yeah. not trying to be negative, Nancy. I'm really happy that these games are coming out, but no, I, I agree. I feel like I, this is a missed opportunity. I think I, I was I was stepped I stepped away for a second, but I think Sony has a really good model for this where you know, if something's when you there's one store, one account. So if you buy something on PS3, you can see it on your Vita, even if it's not playable on Vita, you know that you own that content. So with like crossplay, if you buy something on one, you got it on both. Yeah. yeah. It would be ideal if Nintendo did that, but it's Nintendo. Come on, Nintendo. D- d- come on. So, like, you're you're almost there. Come on. So really the the what we were talking about is um so Earthbound uh, is coming to the Wii U virtual console, which is awesome because for some reason, they have had, I don't know, okay, I guess, like, a lot of people were saying that it was the music, they, like, they couldn't license the music in the game. Even, I mean, it's an original soundtrack, but for some reason, they were like, is it the music? But And some interview just came out where I think uh, Bill Trennan was like, no, it's not the music, I don't know it's, where you heard it's that. It's because some of the music really does sound like other songs, so I think there was, yeah. some people were thinking that there was nervousness about that, not saying whether or not it was true. Yeah, so I truthfully have no idea why it took them so long to do this, and but but they are. I mean, people were bombing the Miiverse, not the not the Miiverse, the 3DS. Oh my God, the Wii U communities. Wii U. I, what what is that called? Oh, Miiverse. No, what what am I saying? What's it called? Is it called? I have Miiverse? no idea. It's Miiverse, right? Am I? I'm not. I'm not drinking today. Okay. <laughs> I am playing Final Fantasy XI, but I'm not drinking. So That's like drinking. It, it is. I might as well be. He's doing it so, for review, though, so it, it's work. It's true. It is work. But, and I'm getting enjoyment out of it, but it's work. Anyway, so people were bombing those communities with all these like drawings, like, please bring uh, Earthbound, Mother 2 to North America, blah, 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 blah. So I guess that must have had an impact. And then there are sites like Fangamer and all that stuff. So there's just been this gigantic movement to finally get Earthbound out on some console, like some kind of re-release, and they're finally doing it. So, I mean, it's just, it's funny that just a re-release of an old game is getting so much attention, but it's a game that Nintendo has just, like, pretended like it hasn't existed for years and years. I have, go ahead, go ahead, sorry, sorry. I was just, uh, it's just, it's exciting, and um, it's one of my most favorite games of all time. Like, I have a friend who's playing it right now for the first time, and I've been watching him off and on, and, like, every time I do it, I get so excited and I'm like, yeah, you got to go to the circus tent that's going to kill you. You got to kill him with the, the fly honey or you got to use that on the zombies and blah, blah, blah. But it's just it such has, a ridiculous game. It has and the most terrifying final boss fight of anything ever. Is that, is that the it fetus? Does. Yeah. It, oh, God, the music. It just I watch that. And to this day, if I watch it, I'm like, well, nightmare time. It's pretty creepy. Yeah. So so now to ask a few questions, because I have zero background in the mother series uh, mother one on nes has never been released in america correct correct not officially there was like a fan translation they, no they had like finished it i guess and but they just opted not to release it um, okay. i don't know what the story is exactly with that but have, so have, basically, go ahead basically go ahead. it was an nes game um that there's yeah so you can get it online is it good the original uh, mother it's, first it's really grindy um, i haven't played it, it very much a, at all but it's an old rpg Okay, okay. Uh, then we have Earthbound on the NES, uh, SNES, and that was Mother 2 in Japan. Right. Yep. 
Earthbound was released in America, uh, and you're Derek. You're saying that it's one of the best games you've ever played. Yes, it's so incredibly good. So I should play it. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I, I gotta say, like, then, when did it come out on the Super Nintendo? Because those graphics, yikes! <laughs> what you don't like what? the graphics? Uh, Dude, maybe it I, looks that game looks like great. The best part about it. Is maybe like, I'm okay. Maybe I'm looking at Mother One. Maybe that's what it is. Okay, maybe Mother I'm One is pretty yikey. But... Okay. Okay. All right. All right. Uh, and then there was going to be a Mother sixty four that got canceled, and then they made yeah. Mother three on the Game Boy Advance. Which Correct. was fan translated, and the fans just offered for no charge to Nintendo. They said you can have our translation for completely free if you release the game. They even said that they would put in work to help get it released. They were like, "We will retranslate. We will do text insertion. Like we want it released officially." Is Mother Three any good? Have you guys uh, yes. played the? I, I I've played it. I don't think it's as good as Earthbound, but it's I haven't good. beaten it. But I think it's good, and I think that. Uh, it's got the story is surprising like it 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 still feels like a mother game but it takes some interesting turns and yeah I think it's an I think it's a really good game. Uh, do, you, do you need to play all three games to get the full story or is each one kind of their own separate entity? It's no, you'll, no, you'll get refer- you'll get references like it's like playing earlier fantasy stars you, like there are, are characters. There well, I mean well we're, what we're delving into spoiler territory but don't spoil it. Love- I might actually play it. Between Mother 3 and Mother 2, yeah, there's there's plot-related stuff. Okay. Uh, and then the big question now is, and I, I, I'm going to go out on a limb and say yes, I think this is them gauging interest, and I wouldn't be surprised if we saw a 3DS Mother game. I would love to. I'd like I think die. we're going to see one. I think we're going to yeah. see one, because that, that is the right venue for something that we just got done talking about, production cost in video games. You could make a really good 3DS game for a decent cost, and I think the fans would lap it up. Oh, yeah. I, I think that, that the, to me... I don't I don't think there's any need to gauge interest, interest for that at all. I mean, they know full well that it would sell... Well, maybe they're gauging interest in America. Like, uh, I think that they would sell in Japan, but I think this is them, you know, hey, let's make sure that this thing would... Mother's pretty huge here, though. I mean, yeah, I, I, the... I, I, I think for the the cost and the, the, the value and the fact that if they released a 3DS Earthbound game, that would be one more in a very, very large list of games. And I I think that they would easily... Yeah. Well, you know, okay. You know what's so... kind of funny is... Uh... That, that website Fangamer that's known for being like they, they make a lot of really awesome merchandise. Um, but they, they're really big they're really active in like the Earthbound fan community and that's their primary focus really. And I found out earlier, like last year, they literally their office is literally like five minutes away from my house in Tucson, Arizona. Oh cool. Which is really strange. And I bought a shirt from them and they were like, Yeah, just come knock on our door and I just did. <laughs> anyway, um, let's move away from uh, that because we've been talking about it for a while, and I still have a few things I wanted to touch on um, just before we because we're we're running pretty long today. So um, Nintendo did announce that Mario and Luigi Dream Team is going to see release on August 11th, and they showed quite a bit more footage of that. It looks so, awesome. Yeah, I think it looks really cool. He's got the cool Luigi Katamari attack in the in his dreams, and he like Mario's flying around on a Luigi tornado, and it's just like. Well, that's what's really cool about it is that they're keeping the cool like the 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 two D sequences like they had in Bowser's Inside Story when you're inside Bowser, and then when you're outside it's this fully three D cool looking Mario RPG. Which I mean you have Paper Mario, but that's that's not really even an RPG anymore at this point. It's, yeah, Sticker Star was pretty far removed from the old Paper Mario's, so we don't we've already talked about Sticker Star a lot. So, but yeah, Dream it, Team it, looks cool. Yep, it does. 
coming and out it's soon. Focused on Ouija, which is the best thing Nintendo can do because he's their best character. It's a me. Ah. Cool. So here's a uh, another big, huge bomb from that announcement from that Nintendo Direct. I'm sorry, I, I can't talk right now. Ahem, another large announcement out of the Nintendo Direct was that Bravely Default Flying Fairy is actually going to be coming out west. They finally announced it. There were some. Uh, there was a news story on Silicon Era probably about a month ago or a few weeks ago saying that they confirmed with multiple reputable sources that the game was coming out west, but we didn't want to report on that until we had actually heard for sure. So it is coming. Um, for some reason, it's coming out this year in Europe, but in 2014 in North America. I'm not really sure why. I, I think it's a, a bit. I, I think it's a business thing because look at how many games are already coming out on the 3DS. Would you want to jump into that pool? Yeah, yeah, I agree. That's probably true. Yeah, so that's that's exciting news. Uh, I know that we we did talk about how some people think that Bravely Default would is going to save the 3DS or whatever is going to you know be a gigantic system seller, and I don't necessarily think it would be. I think it's going to be an awesome game. And I really hope that it sells well, but I wouldn't be surprised to see it rebranded with Final Fantasy in the title. Actually, uh, I, I, I thought that too, but the director just tweeted the other day. Uh, somebody said, hey, and it was like a joke piece of art that showed the Bravely Default art with the Final Fantasy logo. And he said in all caps, Bravely Default is not Final Fantasy. <laughs> so I actually think that they are might veer away from that. Well, that would be good. I mean, I think it needs its own identity. Um, I I agree. I I, I, just, I I think I was just saying like I wouldn't be surprised for marketing purposes, you know, from that standpoint. I don't know how it, you know it's interesting. I don't know how strong that Final Fantasy name is anymore. Just, yeah, it's just it's, saying it's lost some weight for sure. Yeah, I I think it, I you know it's not not saying that it would hurt the game, but you know, just just saying. But anyway, so a couple more things. Uh, Shin Megami Tensei Four, which we knew was coming out here, which is insane um, that it's coming so soon, but. Uh, that's going to be coming out on July 16th, and they had mentioned before that they were going to be selling it at a premium price of $49.99, and that's caused a little bit of controversy because people were like, "Hmm, you know, what makes them think they can get away with charging more just because it's a, it's such a, that's such a good game?" I guess was the reason, but it turns out it's going to be packaged in a, a cool deluxe edition. It's going to come in a huge box with a 176-page strategy and design book with some uh, information about the game and artwork, as well as a music CD. And it's all going to be in a nice little slipcase. So that's kind of cool. Um, it's very Atlas, because Atlas does that whole Atlas spoils thing where they like to package stuff with their games. And the people that buy Atlas's games usually eat that kind of stuff up. So that's nice of them, and I think it's cool that they're doing that. Mm-hmm. And the final thing out of that Nintendo Direct that we care about is that a uh, new Professor Layton game is coming out. It's the final title in his second trilogy. It's Professor Layton and the Azrin Legacy. And we had briefly mentioned that on a podcast many moons ago it was like professor layton and the legacy of super civilization a so that's now called azrin legacy so that's going to come out uh early 14 i think cool so that's it for nintendo direct and since we're running long i just wanted to touch on uh, a couple games are getting collector's editions that apparently that's like it's like the year of the collector's edition so in addition to shin megami tensei 4 uh, Tales of Zillia is getting a pretty sizable collector's edition. It's going to run 100 bucks, and that comes out August 9th, 8th? Uh, early August. 9th. <laughs> yeah, 9th, I think. And it's going to have a game, art book, and soundtrack. And the surprising thing was it's going to have a, an action figure of uh, Mila. Mila. Uh, she's one of the two main characters of the game. So 
that's really cool for fans of Tales. I know I'll be getting that because it's like two days before my birthday. Yes. And uh, Project X Zone, that bizarre crossover strategy RPG that has all the Namco and Capcom characters. Uh, or Sega, rather. Is it Namco also? Sega, Namco, Capcom? I don't know. Sega, Namco, and Crapcom. 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 Capcom. Yeah. I, I seriously didn't mean to it say It sounded that. like Crapcom. Whoops! Yeah, so I, 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 was, a... I was thinking of that scene in Arrested Development when Job talks about wireless crap ability. Yeah, what, what did Capcom just come out and say that the new DMC only sold like 1.15 million units? Yeah, I blame all oh. of you people. I, I, by you people, I mean everybody listening. It's all your fault for complaining that it wasn't exactly the same as the old DMC. I, I gotta say, Steven, I, I beat it. I think you it's don't a good... like it because you hate the camera. I think the camera is literally an affront. It's an abomination. I had zero problems with I it. I don't see. Yeah, you like the Kingdom Hearts camera. You're nuts. Well, that's because there's nothing wrong with that either. You are. Uh, well, there you go. Ladies and gentlemen, you just except, had a guy defend the camera. For, except for in Dream Drop Distance, the camera is out of control in that game. Uh, but I, I, that to me is just. I think it's a good game. To me, it's like a 7.5. It's a good game. But that kind of does suck that we're probably not going to see another Devil May Cry game from Ninja Theory. That blows. Sorry, didn't mean to derail, Derek. I'm that's sorry. Okay. There's, that's about it. The Project X Zone is getting a limited edition. Also, as it's it's just going to be like the launch edition, soundtrack, art book, poster. And Muramasa Rebirth for the Vita is getting a uh, limited edition that's very similar to the Persona 4 Golden Edition, uh, the Solid Gold Edition. It's going to come with a faceplate, lithograph, pouch, and uh, sticker thing. And uh, I guess if you pre-order, you get a soundtrack. I think that's separate. So anyway, collector's editions abound. I, I'm probably going to get all of those. Cool. And I'm going to be poor and sad. That's I, it for news today. I can't wait for that Shin Megami Tensei 4 special edition. For real. Is that, <sighs> that is coming out in America? Yes. It's coming out in July. Dude, where have you been? No, but, but like the, the special edition is coming out in America. I kind of zoned out yeah. for a second. No, that, yeah. that's, that, that's where it's coming out specifically. Oh, sweet. All right, cool. Yep. Where can you get that? Because I was looking on Amazon and I didn't see it. It's That's on Amazon. It's on Amazon. You, you, can, have... you can actually pre-order it through the RPG fan link. <laughs> I have yeah. such an awesome shill, man. I'm getting, I'm getting yeah, good at this. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right. Oh. That's it. You'll have to give me that link because I can't find it on Amazon. Maybe they already sold out. Okay. Anywho. Uh, all right. Thanks, everybody, for listening to Random Encounter. As always, please send us uh, messages through the uh, podcast email. Uh, make sure to subscribe to us on iTunes and through the RSS feed. We tried to update the RSS feed a little bit to make it easier to find us through there. Uh, hopefully that catches here in the next week or so. And we are definitely hoping to do the narrative finale podcast here in the next few weeks. So thanks very much, and we'll see you all later.